All right, everybody, we are here at home with Linda and Drew Scott. Oh, Linda left. I'm just on my own. Uh, sorry, I was looking at the calendar. No, I think There's she's, so much going on. She's in the bathroom. <laughs> I think she's on the toilet. Ooh, could we do this from the toilet? Uh, no. Drew will not let me leave the door open when I pee. Why would I do that? That's the weirdest thing. I want to leave a little romance in this relationship. Yeah, I think it's romantic that like... Do you think it's romantic that I can hear sounds from the toilet when you're in tinkle. there? It's a tinkle. It's just a tinkle. I can. I understand. I don't want to number two with you in the room. <laughs> <laughs> but I think a pee is fine. No. No. You know what? Sometimes I do it and you don't even know. There's. Oh, I know and when you do it. <laughs> you laugh. think you're sneaky when I'm in the shower <laughs> and you sneak in and use the toilet. I know and then because. Then I talk to you the whole time. Because you flush and then the water goes cold. I know when you're in there. <laughs> but aside from that, speaking of house woes, how about. The house we're doing right now for brother versus brother. How's that going? It's going really well. So, th- so this, I mean, we're we're down to crunch here. We're about halfway through the process, but this house, it's in LA, beautiful historic home. But we're trying to restore the original beauty, and we're trying to add modern functionality. It's a huge, huge project, but I love this house. When it's done, it's going to be so stunning. I mean, every, for every little detail, the arches, so the original barrel ceiling. The coffered ceiling in that front room. The painted beams. I also have this amazing, amazing artist, James Mobley. He's doing a feature mural in a staircase and up to the upper level in my house. And what he's doing is he's tying into the original aesthetic of the home. So I think it's stuff like that that's really getting me excited. Mm, I love, what's what's the vibe of your house again? I mean, obviously it's restoring a lot of the original charm, but mm-hmm. in that back end of the home, we're trying to add a wellness wing because we want to make sure that it feels relaxing. There's a, a yoga retreat area. There's an outdoor grass mm-hmm. area that has an infrared sauna. I feel like there's a old, abandoned, romantic type countryside retreat feel to it. Right? Yeah, is I think, that the technical I, term? <laughs> I think. Well, I think we're we're kind of saying like some sort of a quaint sort of chateau feel. Chateau to it. fairy tale. That's what it was. Chateau mm-hmm. fairy tale. But you know what? We shouldn't reveal too much because Jonathan might be listening and he can't know. That's true. What you're doing. That's true. No. Um, so if Jonathan's listening to this, it's going to self destruct. Go away. <laughs> This house has been an amazing project, and I love, this is season seven of Brother vs. Brother. I think the fans love to see Jonathan and me compete. We're each designing these houses and doing our own construction. But at the end of the day, it's just amazing. Both houses are going to look great, but it's just fun to transform these homes. But we're not the only ones who love to transform homes or restore the original charm of a home. Yes, our guest this week, Chris Hardwick, is an incredible designer. He would not say he's a designer. No. I mean, he, he just says he likes to mess with houses. He likes to find old stuff and put it in. But he truly, and his wife, Lydia, are true curators of oddities and antiques. Well, there's, a, there's almost like a mystic charm to what they do with design. Their home looks so unique. It's unlike any other design out there, but they love vintage. They salvage. They're the salvage king and queens. I mean, they'll get out there and they'll find original pieces you never thought they'd be able to find. And it's not like they're just going out there and overpaying for something to put in the house. They find great deals. They'll go to estate sales. They'll find things wherever they can. And if they can't find it, they'll replicate it. Lydia could probably open her own wallpaper installation company because she is so good at putting it in and also designing the paper herself. She's so crafty. But these guys, I mean, it's inspiring for me. Someone, you know, I've been in design and construction my whole life, but speaking with someone like Chris is really, really fun because he loves it as much as we do. Mm -hmm. And he has such an interesting perspective. And, 
unique design eye. I love that every time we go to their house, there's a new weird movie prop or something. Depending where you go in their house, it has a different theme. So downstairs, they have this log cabin sort of a feel. They also have a lot of old movie paraphernalia and like life-size statues of things like old werewolves or I think it's Regan from The Exorcist. I'm the, glad I didn't see that. Well, well, they also have Dobby from Harry Potter. So that's, <laughs> that's lovely. That's nice. Chucky, I think I saw a Chucky one really? time, something like that. I don't know, but it's there are all these these interesting collectibles that they have. They have a lot of taxidermy as well. So if you ever just woke up in the middle of a house that you didn't know, <laughs> this is probably not the house you want to wake up in because you'll shit your pants. <laughs> I mean, it looks scary, but it is really cool stuff because behind every object, there is a story. What I love so much, though, is there's so much detail, everything from the tile. Chris and Lydia will hunt for the original tile that this house would have had. They'll look for crown molding, the wallpaper, the color theme, everything throughout is so much detail, and even the decor. They'll find old sofas from the 1800s. They're not just gonna put something from Ikea into the space. Even though this podcast isn't just about design and renovation, we did talk a lot about that stuff with Chris because he is truly, truly passionate about it. Everyone knows Chris from hosting The Wall, The Talking Dead, ID10T. They know him from his comedy, but not a lot of people know that he truly does have this obsession and passion with design, and I want to dig right into it. So with no further delay, here we are. This is Chris Hardwick. <laughs> Okay, if ADT wasn't professional enough, now ADT installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT believes the smarter the home, the safer the security. I mean, what are they going to do next? They're, they're going to start a country singing career. I would listen to a country band named ADT. Also, I like to know what's happening at our front door from virtually anywhere with my Google Nest doorbell. Just saying. Your Google Nest doorbell? I said our. He said my. Everybody check that. Yeah. All right. Well, I like to control my ADT smart devices, like my lights, my locks. <laughs> my security system with Google Nest speakers and displays. And I like to say, hey, Google, to get started. Listen, I said ours. I'm all about ours, not mine. <laughs> Help protect what matters most with all this, plus 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google. Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help make your home smarter and safer. I can feel the love were first dating, didn't you guys have the same sconce. lamps? We had the the same, yeah, we had the same sconces, these Griffin sconces. Yeah. And, I, and it's not like, a, oh, they're from Ikea and they're everywhere. No. Right. Like, they're extremely unique. No, there was this guy that owns a series of, like, antique warehouses on Highland Boulevard, and I bought them there, and I put them up in the house I was living in right when we first started dating. I was renovating this house, restoring this house, and I was giving her a FaceTime walkthrough because <laughs> she was working in South Carolina, I think. And she goes, wait, 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 go back to those sconces. And I go, oh, these? And she goes, I have those sconces. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm sure you have ones like them. She's like, no, no, I have those. And she bought hers at an estate sale in England. 
like six years before. Oh my gosh. And when I went to her apartment in New York for the first time and I saw them, I was like, holy crap, those are literally. literally so we parked them across from then now they her sconces and my sconces face each other in the living room. I love that. So it was like so so part of part of the joke <laughs> of our relationship was sort of like, oh we we got together to unite the sconces. Yeah. <laughs> We've united the sconces. Is that sort of like uh, some weird like romantic ritual now? This the you guys have to do the uh, what is it, the gargoyle or something yeah, yeah, like yeah, that. Exactly, like, exactly. Okay. Yeah, if we don't <laughs> <laughs> and they are, she just got these really great um, hand-cut globes that go around the teardrop shapes. Because some of those griffin sconces, like, they'll either just come with, like, a glass bulb, right. you know, that's translucent, or, uh, but she got these really cool teardrop-shaped cool. um, hand-cut ones to put on there. And, and this is what blows my mind. So I've been around, you know, construction design my entire life, as adult life. I mean, Jonathan and I got right into it right out of high school. And we've seen everything. Like literally, we've seen anything you could do for transforming a home, dealing with a historic home, something that's more modern. But your design aesthetic, you and Lydia's, it is so unique. <laughs> it's so you guys. And so in-depth. Yeah. Like, oh, I appreciate when, when, that. When we were, you guys were uh, giving us the tour of your home, Everything had a story. You knew exactly where it came from, the designer, the history yeah. of that brand. Or, or things so cool. that you um, repurposed or um, salvaged that you could create the look, or even some, some stuff that you yeah. had to do a, a faux um, yeah. historic look because it's not there anymore and you had to, you know, like some of the wallpaper you had to reprint. Not only the wallpaper, but the wood. First of all, I'm <laughs> tremendously honored that you think that. I really appreciate that. Um, but the the house we bought was, it's a historic house. It was It was... Um, built by this incredible architect named Paul Revere Williams, who was the first African-American architect to be recognized by the AIA. So he built homes in the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. And, and so Los Angeles is, you know, primarily where he worked. He did, there's some stuff of his out in Palm Springs too. But he built these amazing houses that um, uh, that are, you know, g good size, but... But when we moved into that house, we realized like, oh, this is what a master architect does is that the home still feels intimate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so um, we, the, we're only the fourth owners of this house. Wow. And the second owners were a couple that lived there, I think, for like 50 years. And then they both passed away. And the people that we bought the house from basically rescued it from abandonment. It, right. Like it had been empty for a couple of years. I've, we have pictures of it. There were like, you know, wires hanging out of the walls. It was just a trash pile. Yeah. It was heartbreaking. And so they spent seven years like bringing it back from the dead. And then we went in and sort of really fine-tuned and restored and as much period stuff as we could because they were... They, what funded their renovation was they would let people film stuff there. Right. So there was, you know, there was some countertops and some flooring and parts that were like, you know, M more durability, durability, but it wasn't looking to to pay homage to the original. That's uh, right. of the home, yeah. And so we are very much like we love story and we love to honor the the original house. And so the couple who lived there for fifty years. In the 50s, 60s, 70s, it was just not in vogue. Like, that old style mm -hmm. was not in vogue. So they tried to modernize some things, which would have been like linoleum over, you know, original tile. Um, that would be, rather than, you know, keeping wood up or restoring it, uh, they did what we kind of refer to sometimes as like old people stuff, which is they just painted stuff white. Yeah. Right. Which was a, was a design choice, but also, like, it's just an easy way to maintain wood. Yeah. Oh, when it starts to look bad, you paint it white again. So... 
some of the wood had so much paint on it that the this paint restoration guy that we talked to said you can't if we try to strip this off because of the detailing in some of the places it, the wood could like literally crumble off in yeah. our hands so there were places where we just had to faux wood like faux paint the wood, um, but it still it actually looks it looks great. I love wallpaper. Yeah, I mean, even in here you can see we have it on our ceiling in yeah, here. Yeah, Lydia is the wall. That is her superpower. I was gonna say <laughs> like uh, not only some of the the prints and patterns that you've found or that you've recreated. Um, I was blown away that Lydia said she actually did it herself. She, she did. literally went in and did it, and it's seamless. There's a you know we're big Disneyland fans, and so when you first go into the haunted mansion, there's this really cool wallpaper. It's not the classic purple wallpaper with the eyes, which we also love. Are you talking about the room where the ceiling expands? No, it's just before the stretching just, oh, room. Okay. There's a wallpaper in the lobby. You enter okay. in the lobby, okay. and um, there's so many great details in there. Uh, but this wallpaper is really incredible. And I had commented one time, like, I really love this wallpaper. And she tracked it down. It's a Bradbury and Bradbury, which is one of the oldest wallpaper manufacturers. She tracked it down. And so we have it. We kind of have this, like, hidden bookcase oh, yeah. uh, stairwell down to a media room. And it's it's all through there. So she really has a knack at finding incredible wallpaper. Yeah, that in itself, finding it, just yeah. finding it is... You know what Linda did? When we were renovating this house, I mean, we wanted to, again, pay homage to the era of the home, but also to the original owner, and speaking of architects that are renowned, Edward Fickett, who basically was coined for bringing open concept to America. Mm -hmm. I know it's a big thing to be claimed uh, as yours, but he also designed Dodger Stadium. He did so many of the communities here in town. This is where they lived, which was a very actually closed concept home. Mm -hmm. Uh, But anyway, um, he had passed away in the 90s, but his wife, who we bought the house from, she grew up in this home, she had showed us, um, you know, her little sort of a play area, and she had some old wallpaper in the house that had, you know, these lemons on it. And she had a wallpaper that had uh, poodles that were pampering in a mirror, like they're getting ready, and all the stuff that is so. Which your mom said she had in her bathroom. That's right. Yeah. Up. So all these little little touches. Linda had gone around and she digitized the original wallpaper. Oh, that's the tile, amazing. And then Linda created throw pillows, um, and we did some wallpaper that played off of that. So when we brought Joycey back into the house after we renovated. You probably know this from your experiences too. If you have somebody who is an older generation who lived their life in a house and they were there for 50 plus years, a lot of times, even if you've made the house beautiful, they don't like it right. because it's not what they know. Yeah. We were so nervous. We to were show so her. nervous, but luckily when we brought Joycey through, she was sort of tears of joy. And she said that we've cherished aspects of the home that were her memories as a child. And we kept some of the original features of the home, like the front door and the firebox. And, and then we added some more of the, the functionality that you'd see in the house today. But the little things like the pillows and that made her cry. That's amazing. The, the, the thing that bums us out about our house is that there are no pictures of it. There are certain places in the house where we can see, you know, a little bit of paint is chipped away, mm-hmm. like in a cabinet door. We can see, like, oh, the original cabinet color might have been that, but we just don't know. Yeah. And by complete coincidence, um, a friend of my mom's happened to be at some holiday party a couple years ago and ran into this uh, this older lady, and she had a, this really interesting-looking key on a chain around her neck, and he goes, that's a really interesting key. And she goes, oh, yeah, this was the key to my grandparents' house when I was no. a kid. And so they got to talking, and it turned out it was our house. What? And so he connected us with this what? woman, and she came. She hadn't been there since she was a little kid, and she brought us a picture <gasps> of her as a little girl with her brother sitting next to our fireplace oh being read a story by this guy. Oh, wow. I believe his name was Sterling Holloway, but it was the guy who did the original voice of Winnie the Pooh. Whoa. And he's reading them stories by our fireplace. I mean, that to us, 
I feel like That's so cool. we're curators, but we're also kind of treasure hunters at the same yeah, time. Same here, yeah. And so when they were kind of redoing some stuff, they opened up a wall and they found like a chunk of a newspaper. <gasps> And that had been sealed up in the wall since the wall was built in yeah. the, you know, 1928. And the, the strip of newspaper was only about this much, but it just happened to have the date and like one little headline. And we think it was from um, Lydia's great-grandfather, basically was a newspaper guy. And we think it might have been from his newspaper, oh the God. Los Angeles Examiner. It's like the house so was meant for you. It. Yeah. So it's like those little things we cherish because they're just, as I say, all the antique furniture we have, everything we have, we know where it came from. We've collected it from around the world. It all has a story. And we see ourselves basically as like museum curators. Mm-hmm. Like we're not going to live forever but through this moment in time, we are curating these things and caring for them and hopefully passing them on to people who will do the same. I was literally just going to say that your house feels like this amazing, well-put-together museum. museum. <laughs> well, we both yeah. have this weird thing where we both kind of always wanted to live in like a natural history yes! museum. Oh yeah. my God. So, you know, in the corner of our living room, there's like a giant prehistoric cave bear skeleton <laughs> next to like a, you know, a 17th century Spanish Varganio desk next to... A werewolf. A werewolf <laughs> head, you know, next to... Uh, that sofa that we bought from your neighbor's estate sale, Yeah, they had kept it covered in plastic yeah. for decades, and it was like brand new. It was like new old. Yeah. So we don't know how many decades old it was, mm. but it and it looks so amazing in our in our living it room. Did, I I could believe actually. You know, we we were close. It was like five hundred dollars in the estate sale, and it, it was such a. I mean, some of the items that they had, they had old kids like um, storybooks. Yeah. Uh, like there was the old Pinocchio. There was some Dickens in yeah. there, but all these old books that were from eighteen hundreds and in early nineteen hundreds. So many. Books. But they were in great shape as well, and and so. Um, it was like a museum next door as well. They had 17th century art above the sofa that you bought. Oh, I saw that. I saw that art piece. Really? Like, yeah. Hmm, who is that? How much is that? Yeah. yeah. They also um, so they had a, an old Martin guitar. One of the beneficiaries of the estate had to come into town and go through things, and she was, I think, over a little overwhelmed. And so we were helping her go through all the different items. And the one thing that pains me is that there was. I guess the fellow who passed away, uh, Fred, and again, we got along really well with him, and, and uh, he, his grandpa was a stamp collector. Mm-hmm. And so he had stamps from back in the 1700s and, oh and whatnot. And, and this one closet was jam-packed from the floor to the ceiling full of stamps. They were all and in shoeboxes. so organized. But even yeah. in, like, when you open a shoebox, just one of the hundred or whatever were in there, there were little envelopes, and in the envelopes, they had, he had gone out and bought stamps. And so we saw a receipt from the 60s, and it was $1,100 spent on stamps. Oh, my in God, the 60s. in the 60s. Yeah, and so um, it was, we're going through, and it was, I said to her, I mean, I would give you $10,000 for this closet. I don't collect stamps. I collect coins, but there's value here. I said, but go get it appraised. I mean, as a partner of an estate sale, you have sure. to get it appraised. Sure. And so I, we spoke to her. We, I said, don't sell it until you come back and let us know how, um, how it went. I guess the guy who came, I think he came from San Francisco, he made her sign, the stamp appraiser, he made her sign something saying that he can buy it for what he appraises it at. Oh, and no. And I said to her, don't oh. tell me, $1,800. No! That's, she sold it. That feels like that should be illegal. Like, it if is? you appraise I, it must something, be. I don't think you, if you appraise something, you shouldn't have the ability the to buy it. Is, no, yeah. no, of course there's bias there. there there's... Oh, and I had offered, I'm like, I offered you five times that. And I felt so bad for her. You know what, though? But I remember that that estate sale in particular, 
I think it was way more of a job than they thought that yeah. assassin oh, yeah. was going to be. And those yeah. those poor folks were so it almost felt a little like in over their heads. Yeah. But what sort of pains me about the estate sale, uh, the, the sort of the, the the sad part about it is like you're basically picking through someone's life, someone yeah. someone painstakingly, especially next door. That like there was so much amazing stuff there, and. On the one hand, it's really sad, but in the other, on the other hand, it, that makes me feel the responsibility. Like I gotta rescue some of this yeah. stuff. I gotta make That's sure it. it's taken care of. Take it into your museum. Well, exactly. Yeah. My whole thought is, I don't want it just to go to some like the stamps, for example. They're just going to go to some stamp convention or something like that, or be sold in this guy's store. This idiot that should be locked up for stealing <laughs> it. But for example, like we have a guitar. We have a Martin guitar yeah. that was from the 1890s that came from that estate sale, but. We made sure it went through and got appraised, and then we wanted to make sure that the, the, the value it was shown and, and whatnot. But the, I want to have that as something that we can continue to tell the story of, and, yes. and that's important. He also had a lot of old original records because mm-hmm. he, he was a classic pianist. Uh, Fred was next door, and he would always apologize to Linda. And me. He's like, "Am I keeping you up with my music? I'm so sorry." Oh I'm like, "Gosh, you are lulling us to sleep." <laughs> I play the bagpipes. Do you want me to play that? Well, that's no. not going to be the same. But um, but yeah. So he had the one of the bedrooms, the original master. I guess he didn't sleep in the original master. That the entire size of this room, and it was probably about twenty by twenty five feet. It was a massive room. The entire thing was those uh, uh, industry work box, uh, mm-hmm. boxes yeah. full of records. Yeah. The entire floor of the room. And so we actually, in there too, we saw there's old, there's old Beethoven and... You had a bunch of sheet music Swarov. as well. Yeah. Super organized. Well, it's, yeah. it, and it also, um, it's interesting because basically the, the marketplace has caught on to the fact that, I, I mean, I've watched, as, as someone who has been restoring and renovating for a long time and, and you know, just buying antiques it goes up every year and so it's like things that were more affordable like five years ago it's just it's so insane and the and the auctions now it used to be obviously you know like before the sort of before the internet auction thing i don't mean like ebay but like you know like a really specific like a lot for an auction you know it was just it was a more intimate affair some people might phone in but now you're literally bidding against everyone in the world and it's so it is a little trickier, which is why next door is such a find. Like there still is no, um, there's no substitution for like feet on the ground, going to estate sales, yeah. going to houses because it. There's also a little bit more of a, a pressing need to get rid of that stuff right. on behalf yeah. of whoever is the executor or running the trust or whatever, and so. Yeah. It there yes we can we do have access to anything at all times because of the internet but there's just nothing like the tactile experience yeah. of going in smelling the smells seeing the textures seeing everything in its context yeah and and again you know it's like when I go on the road and do stand up I find the local I don't drink I don't go to bars but what I do go is I go to like the local antique hangs yeah and I try to see like what are the regional What's the regional vibe of each kind of antique thing? And it's, you know, it's, that's cool. it's really, man, that's, that's the kind of stuff that populates our home. You know, it's funny for Linda and me, you know, we're not big drinkers uh, either. I mean, for us, we want to ex- experience something unique and fun. So we'll go and find something that, garage you know, sales. garage sales <laughs> yeah. or even like some, we've been in some, like San Francisco, we found this old speakeasy and it had an amazing story. But I think they probably hated us because they're thinking we're coming for the drinks and, and whatever else. And <laughs> we didn't buy anything. We just kind of came just in to see. Just here for the decor. It, this was one yeah. of, it was a, a, a restaurant bar that had a secret room bar 
Oh. And then within that, there was a secondary secret bar. And then within hatch. that, there was a hatch down to the basement. And there was the original old, um, uh, from the Prohibition, secret room. And they even had like the male and the female escape, escape routes. routes. Oh, that's Off incredible. the back of it in the original bar. And so I had finished filming in San Francisco and we were literally leaving that night. And so we said, we have to go here before we leave. So Linda and I went in and you're supposed to have to go to the, not the main bar, but there's a secondary, there's a side door. And if you have the secret word, you'll be let in. So we <laughs> hid around the corner and listened to the couple in front of us with their word, mockingbird or whatever it would have been. And then we came up to the door and we knocked and we're like, mockingbird. And they're like, go away. And they shut the door. So we just went into the main bar. And luckily the, the woman who was the bartender, she was totally chill and awesome. We just said, we're like, listen, we leave town in two hours. We heard about your place. We know there is a room within a room within a room within a super awesome room. Can you just show us? And she's like, fuck okay, yeah, yeah, okay. So she took us through all of it. It was absolutely amazing. That's really cool. I mean, it those little hidden gems. I mean, it, the, the hard part is, you know, you don't want to rip open every wall in your house, but then there's that part of you that like, what's, what's in there? What's in there? Because yeah. when we, um, the room that's kind of like our TV room was, was in the basement. I guess it would be the basement of our house. And so we were going to put in, you know, some speakers for the speaker system and they just... They poked through the ceiling and they noticed, like, oh, look, oh, there's beams under here, and they are they look painted, and so uh -huh. they cut open a wider thing, and we basically discovered like original these detailed hand painted wow. beams that had been drywalled over at some point for who knows why, oh, man. but we think that that might have been like the original speakeasy of oh, the house. Cool. There was like a like a like a little party room in there. So we just exposed all of the beams. Is that your recording room now? Or no, it's no. just it's our TV room. Oh, your TV room. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, that main lower level. Yeah, area. Yeah, yeah, the lower level. Is that like the one the where there's the little bar. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So there's a little bar with like a hand painted door yeah. on it that's yeah. original and that's and, amazing. Yeah. On the opposite, not so amazing. Well, amazing for me, but not original. Amazing detail. We were we started renovating right out of high school, and we were just doing quick sort of flips on houses. You know, laminate floors you know, prefab kitchens mm -hmm. and selling. Anyway, we had this one house where we were finishing the basement and there was a weird little jut out in this one area. Mm -hmm. And to try and drywall all around it, it'd be a useless space. We're like, let's just board straight across it. So in the wall, there was gonna be a cavity that was about, uh, you know, two feet by three feet. Mm -hmm. And uh, instead of just putting like a closet or something, it was in a spot you couldn't. So we thought, you know what, let's leave a little surprise if anybody ever opens this up. So what we ended up doing is we got a chair, like a regular dining room chair, Stuck it in the middle. Please tell me you put a skeleton we, in it. We no, not a skeleton. We stuffed a body <laughs> like clothes. That's even better. So we stuffed a body, and then we put a sack over the head. Oh my and god! We tied the arms behind the chair, and then we put a sign around the neck that said, "I don't deserve this." <laughs> uh, but just just in case anybody ever found it, we put JD's email, our older brother's email, on it. And so if somebody ever, JD has one email that the only thing he'll ever use that email for is if somebody ever messages oh, for I that. Oh, I cannot wait for the That's, day that he gets that email. Is so so detailed. Yeah, that's impressive. That is impressive. Yeah, that, is this, I imagine this is in Canada somewhere. Calgary. Yeah. Oh. Well, I'll tell you this much. We have a, another friend of ours. He does insurance. He's a financial advisor, and he ended up years later because he knew which house this was that we did. So this is like 15 years later, maybe almost 20 years later. Gosh, I'm dating myself. He ended up going to that house to do a cons consultation with the people of the house. Oh, wow. And he said that he wanted so bad just to say, can I go down to the basement for a second? Uh, but he's like, that would sound really creepy coming from your financial advisor. <laughs> so he didn't. But uh, yeah, so we 
But it's gonna really yeah. suck if all this if if someone opens that wall and it becomes this big mystery, this Canadian mystery, and then JD gets arrested for a crime that <laughs> yeah. never existed. <laughs> Not my, well, that's it. the property brothers, their first secret hidden uh, <laughs> scandal, and it's They're hiding is, bodies. I can't wait to tell Lydia. That's totally something she would do because she, uh, <laughs> you know, right when you walk into our house, there's a powder room immediately to yep. the to the left, and she, you know, she and I. We're very lucky because we both have exactly the same design aesthetic as 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 I mentioned earlier, and so we have a lot of vintage taxidermy. Yeah. So it's like you know horror movie prop, vintage taxidermy, old sofa, old this, old that, and so she had this old taxidermy rat, this white rat, and. She had put it like kind of by the front door, so when people would come in, they'd see it, and I'd go, "You can't, you're gonna, my mom's gonna have a heart attack." <laughs> so it disappeared for a while, and then I went to get some toilet paper out of the cabinet in the powder room, and I was like, "Jesus!" And, and she put it in there, and I go, "You can't do that! Like that's gonna give someone a heart attack." Oh my god! No, and then she goes. Yeah, people shouldn't be going through our cabinets. Oh. <laughs> so she, a good point. She's put it in there yeah. as a fun Easter egg so that if we have people over and we hear, holy shit, you know, we're like, hey, you shouldn't open the cabinet. <laughs> oh, my God. You, know, you shouldn't go through people's That's cabinets. That's smart. Uh, I am going to go into your cabinet the next time I'm there to see if I should. It's there. He's there. But what secrets are you hiding in a powder room uh, cabinet? Nothing. That's she, just, it's just, <laughs> she just thought it would be a funny way to That's test hilarious. to see, like, who. You know, not, it's yeah. not an uncommon thing to do. People, you go into someone's bathroom, well, what do they have? You know, it's curious. No, that is uncommon to me. I mean, I think there are a lot of nosy people out there, but to me, I've never understood. It's not your house, and you snoop through drawers. Like I, I know people do open houses when, as a real estate agent. Yeah. I actually all the time would catch people. They're looking at the house, and they would go into the the person's dresser drawers. It's not right. even an attached piece of the home. Yeah. And I would stop them. Like, excuse me, you can't what, do that. What, what are you looking underwear? I'll yeah. tell you. I, the reason that I don't do it is because I don't want to find something that I don't want to have to unsee. You know, yeah. like you find True. some weird thing with one of your friends, and like, oh my god, I didn't, I didn't know they were into that. Don't want to know. Oh don't want to know. Yeah, we don't had need uh, to know. there was this one house that I was listing, and it was a friend of a friend. Um, you know, sometimes it was the worst thing to try and say you'll help out a friend by listing their home. Sure. Because they end up being the most, or family, he lists their helmet, it's the biggest headache. I mean, you have a real estate, your mom's a real estate agent, so yeah. she understands. Um, but anyway, so I had this friend of a friend, I said, okay, I'll help you, we'll, we'll list the house. And um, so I'm showing clients around, and in the kitchen, I'm showing people through the kitchen, and they're looking at everything, and people want to open the fridge and the dishwasher and stuff. And these clients I'm showing through, so they're not my clients, there's another realtor and their clients, they come in, and they come through, they open the dishwasher, and my client had loaded, I think it was about six dildos into the dishwasher. Oh, I mean, sure, you can't put those in the washing machine. Yeah, well, exactly. That's disgusting. disgusting. And I don't want those next to my cut, my, my silverware and my, my, my I just plates. Just and, like, you know, I don't want to give you the dinner, yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Are those next to the cutlery? <laughs> Oh Which I'm God. also not comfortable with. Yeah, that's, you know, if you're at an adult store buying adult toys, which if you're an adult, you're perfectly, it's perfectly fine to do that. But a question that never occurred to me that someone might ask is, is this dishwasher safe? Yeah. And do you put it beside the sippy yeah, cup? Yeah, do I, do oh I, my I, God. I it, my do I towel dry sure. this? Do I just set it on the dishwasher? Or you just shake it dry. Yeah, you just shake it yeah, dry. Yeah, you have to set up a separate dick rack in your kitchen to, to drip dry everything. Oh yeah, no, you're... Your stand-up routine, I, one of the funniest things I've ever seen, and this is a perfect segue for Shake Dry. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, one yeah. of the funniest things I have ever seen, because we've seen your show several times, and we were on the road 
Where, where did we Who see was you? In California. Was I think you were. I think you came to one of the improvs oh, in California. But you're, you walked out and your opening act. You were doing this like little dance thing, and I leaned into Lynn. I'm like, it looks like he's jerking off two penises. <laughs> well, well, that was the. And then you got into yeah. your stick and it was about how to teach people how to dance. Exactly yeah. how to dance. Yeah. Oh my god, I knew. You know, I have a 15 year old sense of humor. I feel like I evolved to about 15 years old, and then it just never. And then I never really, I never really crested beyond that, uh, unfortunately. But that, that's our favorite dance. It is. Now the the dick dance is now like, our favorite oh, yeah. dance. Yeah. And people are like, I like your moves. And they're like, Thanks. I can show you who taught us this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I tell you, that's how, that's how it works. So yeah. here, here's a question uh, sure. with garage sales. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you have, I don't know how many shows. You've done so much over the years, but you host game shows. You have, like, The Wall. And as you know, we are big um, Walking Dead and Fear uh, nerds. When you go out, you love to find salvage. You love to do garage sales. You love to do estate sales. Do you find people will recognize you? Because you're very recognizable, and then they'll try to, like, upcharge you? Oh, well, I mean, it... (laughs) That has happened before, but it happens more with my wife because my wife's family. Uh, she's the great-granddaughter of William Randolph Hearst. And so when we first started dating and we first started going to antique stores, she was like, uh, you know, don't don't say my last name or it'll get the, the 30% Hearst markup. And I was like, what is, <laughs> what is that? And I witnessed it one time where I had gone to a place and asked about a painting and then went back with her and I guess they forgot and the, the the price of the painting significantly went up when I brought In her value. with me. I was like, holy shit, You're it's right. true. So, I mean, I don't really find like when I'm on the road, I don't really see it. But what really, um, what, what really blew me away is that I was doing this uh, series of renovation stories on Instagram. When Instagram stories holy launched- shit. How shit. How shit, yeah. Yeah, and so when I started, like when Instagram stories launched, I didn't really know what to do with it, and so I was starting to restore a place at the time. So I was like, you know what? I'll just I'll just kind of walk through the renovation stuff and do a real like first person account of it. It was great. It, it was fun. It was to really watch. fun, and I hashtagged it house shit. And I swear to God, I, like more than The Walking Dead, more than anything I've ever done. I when I'd go places, people were like. What's in the wall that you're breaking open? I'm like, what are you talking about? I've been watching the house shit videos and it completely blew me away. And I'm like, I'm just doing this for, I'm getting this from Instagram stories. I can't imagine what your guys' lives was. Well, it's, it's uh, and I know too, even from that, when you posted that, I know HGTV reached out to yeah, you yeah, and there yeah. was everybody and their dog was reaching out to you about, about stuff because it's you, so unique what you do. We, um, yeah, the hard things, you know, even with house sales. So if I go in to put an offer on a house, yeah. A lot of times I'll work with another, like I have a great real estate agent here in town, Ken and Earl, that does all the purchases for me here because I trust him. But also if, I, if I'm if i seen right away, right away people think he can pay more. Right. But then the thing is, it ends up backfiring on a lot of people because I have more knowledge than a lot of other people and I understand what's adding value, what isn't adding value, and I will pick apart the house and give every detail as to why I'm coming in. I don't lowball in houses, but I have a better understanding of what the value is yeah. and I'll give them a reason why I'm coming in low and then they have no argument. Like they're... They literally have no argument. So well, I also, you are not part of the appraisal. Like yeah. When 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 yeah. the appraisal comes in for the house, it you know it's it, like I've seen LA go through um, bubbles. Like yeah. and the one just before the two thousand five bubble burst, uh, what you were seeing a lot of is that you know it was very much a seller's market because you'd put in a bid on it. Like the the the, the property owners were. Basically, they would say, "Okay, you know, Tuesday at eight thirty, we're taking, we're gonna take all our yeah. bids," and so you had to just guess, like, "Well, 
There's probably, and, and, invari- and invariably there was like, you know, you were competing against nine or 10 offers. Yeah. And so you'd, you'd go high. And because everyone was going higher, like everything was becoming way overinflated. And then of course the, you know, like the bottom dropped out and the crisis bin, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but one thing that, one piece of advice that I would give to people is that you, no matter what, a home, commercial property is different, but for residential property, most people are very emotional about their home. Yeah. And so if you have an emotional connection to the home, you should write the seller a letter and, and oh, yeah. share that and say, you know, this home speaks to me, I will care for it, I will be a curator of this house, um, you know, I will keep the dream alive, I will honor it. Uh, and more yeah. often than not, um, you even if someone outbids you financially, yeah. the owner will have an emotional reason. We've to- had that happen. I mean, Jonathan and I have, for clients, actually, we're almost at 400 houses that we've done just for the shows. Mm-hmm. There's one client where uh, a person offered $100,000 more in the house, and the yeah. seller still gave it to my client yeah. because they were a young family about to start their family life. Mm-hmm. And the other lady had had her whole family, the kids grew up and then moved out, and she didn't want this other investor to tear the house down. Right. She wanted to see this legacy continue. Yeah, and so it is like, again, it just goes back to the idea of how important the story is, yeah. you know, and how connected you are to it, whether it's furniture, art, or antiques, or, or, your, or your home. And, and um, when we first started, because our house is a Spanish-style house, but, you know, inside there is a mixture of, you know, like there's, there are British antiques and there are Italian antiques and there, you know, there's a lot of different styles of, of antique and we can tell you where everything came from. Um, but when we first moved in there, I, would, I kind of wrongly said to Lydia, like, I don't know, you know, if I know you like this one piece, but I don't know if it's really in the keeping of this of the style of the house and she said, "Look, that's not the right way to think about it. Mm-hmm. You need to figure out what pieces you connect with and then that will give the context for the for all the pieces as a whole and it's part of your story." And I was like, "Oh my god, you're absolutely right." Yeah. Which is how you can avoid having a house look like a catalog yeah. so that everything is exactly this, you know, like one one paint-by-numbers style. And, and you know, there, there's a market for that because there are a lot of people that don't know what they want to do and they just want generic and safe and, and that's fine if sure. that's real like. absolutely. But then there's a whole other realm of people like yourself. We love the uniqueness. We love something that pays tribute to the original history and then it evolves from there into something that this yeah, more to you. Yeah, because you're the connection point. Yeah. You, are the, you are the context for that for that story, right. especially because when you work in a creative field, it, it can be very difficult to really know how you're doing. Well, I have a show, and uh, you know, X number of people came to my last stand-up show. I think that's good. I don't know. I guess I'm doing this. I think that's good. But it's so it's just not linear in the way it's not really tangible. But to take a home and be able to you know have an idea and a vision for it and to transform it, and then you can live in it. It's a physical, it. yeah. It's yeah. a it's a it's a physical representation, and it's just more tangible than yeah. I feel like what we do in our in our business. Concepts, yeah. yeah, but I, I love too when we whenever we come over to your house, you know, because we'll be on the road for a few months, and then we come back and we'll come over for for dinner or whatnot, and. There's always something new, yeah. <laughs> but not like new, like just made new, like there's a new antique. And right away, this, there's, there's a unique story. And there's it another shows, layer to Yeah, that your, room. your story and how it evolves, and I think that's really what makes a house a home. Well, Lydia, Lydia, I mean, we both have an eye for detail, but Lydia's is like molecular. She, um, 
she does this amazing thing that I hope becomes a, a trend, but when we first moved into this house, she put up a tree in September, like in the, in the entry of the house, she put up a holiday tree, and I was like, what are you doing? She goes, oh, I want to put up a Halloween tree, because Halloween's our favorite holiday. Yeah. So she put up a Halloween tree in late September, decorated it Halloween style, then right after Halloween, it rolled into a Thanksgiving tree, so she decorated it Thanksgiving, and then a couple days after Thanksgiving, it then rolled into a Christmas tree. So we have a That's holiday awesome. tree up for three months out of the year, and it's become a real... Uh, and and also the way that it's in the foyer, like there's yeah. you know like there's an arched glass piece yeah. in our door, so you see it like Frames right it. through the entryway, yeah. and it it just sort of tags the holiday in a beautiful way. And every year, she does these amazing like this year, she got all these red ornaments, and so the Christmas tree is red, like it's all red. And then one little thing from a movie called Critters that has all this red on it. A couple years ago, she did a Gremlins themed Christmas tree, so everything oh. was you know. Then we've done a Disney tree, and so it's and it's all like that's all her. It's the level of detail. You realize and, Linda's, and, Linda's, and commitment to the and, to the theme and commitment yeah. to the theme. But she really she really has visions for things that actually look great. I mean, no, they like, do look great. She, uh, honestly, you guys didn't go to school for design at all, right? I mean, no, no, I no, no. But you guys are true designers. You really are. I appreciate everyone that. Everyone learns from a different um, outlet. Like, I didn't go to school for design. I learned design from working with clients and understanding what helps a, a home sell in a neighborhood. Didn't she do the, the front door as well? Like, meticulously add she, deep, certain Oh, she did detail? the... Um, so there's a... A stone surround around the the front door, and it had been painted like one solid color. And she had someone come in and try to, because we just didn't, we couldn't go through the process of like blowing all the paint off. It just, it was, it was a lot. Mm -hmm. So she had someone come in and sort of like faux it back to stone, and it didn't look right. And so I don't think she'd ever done this before. She just got a dry brush and some paint and a stepladder and just did it herself and it looks amazing. <laughs> it was just, she just had the idea in her head. She has the ability to manifest whatever the thing in her head is. Well, like your kitchen, your cabinets and, yeah. and where your, um, your appliances are. I know she did yeah. some of that custom work too. She did, yeah, yeah. She built, she built the kitchen <laughs> island, was, it was a different style. Uh, and so she made it more period and she, um, she wanted to replicate these refrigerators that are in the kitchen at Hearst Castle, which are these old wooden ice boxes. Mm -hmm. And so, obviously, you can't, you know, you can't really have a functional old ice box. Mm -hmm. So she found a refrigerator with a with, that you can change the front of and make it anything. And most people will put like, I don't know, they'll just kind of blend it into cabinetry or whatever, so it doesn't look like a standard refrigerator. And she assembled all these wood pieces and had a, a cabinet guy like make a faux uh, icebox cabinet door. And, and we bought these old hinges and a bowl, old nameplate from eBay, and then just stuck them on. And they they aren't functional, but they look. It you know, looks like, so cool. Yeah, it, look, yeah. it looks awesome. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I remember you saying you have an old built-in oven or oh, fridge. Oh, it's a warming oven. Oh yeah, they almost set yeah. the house on fire. Feels like home. 
ADT now professionally installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT believes the smarter the home, the safer the security. Help protect what matters most with 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google. You said that very professionally. I try. (laughs) Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help you make your home smarter and safer. I almost accidentally said the house on fire. <laughs> so a brilliant thing that I guess Paul Williams did, because um, it's original to the house, is so there's the main kitchen and there's like a, a I guess what you call it, like a butler pantry. Yeah. So it's like a separate little, but it's connected to the kitchen. And there's a cabinet in there and you open it and it's like metal inside and it's a it's a warming oven. It's designed to like keep food warm as you're cooking it. And it has multiple shelves. It's like it's it's deep it's and it's big. It's like what, like three feet by I mean it must be. Or, yeah, yeah, it's 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 amazing. And so it's got a little switch on the side with this old timey red light that you flick on, and that's how you know it's on. And the first year we were there, we had some people over. I think you might have been there, actually. It was like the first New Year's Eve yeah. that we were there. Yeah. And that, we were- that, that, by the way, is where um, John Hamm answered the door, and I think my mom nearly passed out, <laughs> uh, which was hilarious. <laughs> you know, you never, you never prepared for a surprise yeah, well, hand. I mean, he, he just passed <laughs> that hand. Of he wasn't working at the time. You hired him as your doorman. That's you know. right. Yeah, John. Yeah, and he's so John good, he's such a good actor he that is, he really you know. sold it. Oh but um, so we had ordered pizza, and I had, we had these pizza boxes, and I'm like, oh, I'll put them in the warming oven. The way the, the warming oven works is that there are these coils at the back, and I had accidentally put the, the pizza box cardboard had oh, was no. sitting right next to the coils. And, uh, you know, after like 20 minutes, they're like, what's that burning? And then I open the warming oven, all the smoke comes out. It was legitimately a year before we could scrub the oh, smoke smell out of the, uh, out of the warming oven. But I, it's a thing that I don't know why more um, homes don't incorporate because yeah. it's if you're entertaining or you you know it doesn't take up a, a ton of space yeah, yeah. Prep. well especially for us for entertaining I mean the way Linda and I wanted to lay out the kitchen was really important in in this house originally the kitchen was like a lot of old houses from the 20s and 30s that tucked off to the side it wasn't you didn't do the kitchen it wasn't you had a social a yeah. or yeah or you had a your butler and your and your um, kitchen staff they dealt with it and so with us we wanted to be a part of the main action so we moved it over we, we enclosed the old outdoor patio into to be the new kitchen, and then we have this sight line from right from the living room through the dining area to the kitchen. The old houses just didn't function for how you we entertain. Mm, no, not today, and it's especially because you know, like it, some of the old the, the older houses too. I mean, we say old in Los Angeles, like a house in the twenties is old, which is comical with well, compared to the rest of the world. And then in Canada, old for us with a lot of houses is nineteen eighty. Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. thirty years old. <laughs> so you know, it's especially back in the twenties, they just. It wasn't the social hub. It just mm-hmm. wasn't really the thing. You know, you just didn't hang out in the kitchen, um, and so I like where it is now because it, you know, like so much of our culture and the stories of our culture are, you know, food, told through food. Exactly. So the place where the where the food is made, and you know, like Lydia made all of Thanksgiving dinner this year. We had like sixteen people over, and she. My only instruction was just to stay out of the kitchen, to stay out of her way, and I was like, I think I can handle that. That's like when my mom's cooking. I want to help. Linda wants to help, but she's just like, stay out of my way. Well, that's the thing I'm is happy that it's eating it. because yeah. people always gravitate toward the kitchen. She was like, just for this one day, I need you to like field goal 
the yeah. kitchen because I kind of had to be like, oh, let's go. You know, yeah. so it was the one day a year where I had to like, my job was to goalie the kitchen. <laughs> I, I love it. I mean, we're we're all about entertaining. You know, over the holidays here, we literally last year we had fourteen families staying of our family members staying with us. Wow. But I mean, this this house when Linda and I first saw this. We were looking, we weren't even looking at this area, we were looking between Beverly Hills, Los Feliz, and Studio City, mm-hmm. somewhere in that realm. And you know, in the, the size of house we wanted and everything, it, there were over a thousand houses on the market, but we wanted something untouched. Mm-hmm. Because especially in LA, people renovate, quote, quote, and they do a terrible job and then they charge a fortune for it. We wanted a house untouched so we could cherish the history of it, revitalize that part of it, and then add certain functionality. We looked, there were only 10 houses, of those 1,000, there were only 10 houses in the, uh, untouched. We looked at all 10 in one day, this was the last one, and it was actually, Linda was the first one, the moment we stepped out of the car, and she's like, this is the one. I just love the proportion of it, because it didn't look like a McMansion. And the right. street is just so beautiful, all the houses are different, and it feels I don't know like what, pedestrian. I don't know what people are thinking with this with this McMansion thing, because it it's like, that. it's gonna look dated, I mean, I don't. It's not my personal aesthetic, yeah. um, or like putting up the glass boxes. Yeah. Because the thing about LA is that there's not a ton of land. Like most mm-hmm. properties in LA just don't have a lot of land, and yeah. so what some people or developers will do is they'll come in and they'll put a glass box in that literally just takes up as much of the property land right. as possible. It, there's a lot of like shotgun-shaped properties. Yeah. Of, Long and skinny. Uh, and so they just fill as much of it as possible. And then it feels like, first of all, there's an earthquake, but secondly, there's no, no soul, heart. no soul yeah. in that, and there's no, there's no heart in yeah. it. Not, not there's anything wrong if that's your aesthetic, then that's that's fine. But I just feel like, you know, as much as we can do to sort of preserve <laughs> what little history we have here in Los Angeles. Well, but, but the one thing, the historic part of LA, which is so amazing, and even much over a lot of other areas of the country, is that there is so much diversity in the houses. And, and I love LA that especially. Uh, yeah, LA especially. Yeah. You have a lot, you have your Spanish style homes or Mediterranean style, there's French, uh, English influence. Um, there's so much influence from different areas. And I like that diversity. Um, I, don't, I don't like McMansions, I don't like the glass boxes. If, like for me, just getting as much livable square footage as possible, fine. But yeah. in reality, you're just—it's almost that eyesore on the block. And I'm actually really happy that the city and the different jurisdictions around in California and around LA—they've made um, restrictions. You can no longer just build a McMansion, and I like that. A lot of people find it annoying that they're being restricted by the city, but they're trying to preserve some of the beauty. If we had a McMansion come into this street where we are here in Hancock Park. Well, they would never allow it. They, they never they allow never it. Allow. Hancock Park yeah. is real strict. Yeah. Is real, I had a friend who lived in Hancock Park and they wanted to put up just, because uh, he's a you know celebrity type, and so he wanted to put up like a, a higher gates and then they wouldn't let yeah. them, you know? And so it's just like, they, they, do, they do a good job in Hancock Park yeah. of trying to maintain the yeah. aesthetic quality. But um, the thing that, we go up to Hearst Castle a lot, which, you know, Lydia's great-grandfather uh, built with Julia Morgan, who, if someone's watching this and they're listening and they don't know who Julia Morgan is, she was a maverick of architecture. Hearst Castle, for people who haven't been, we noticed sort of accidentally, like on a much larger scale, it's one of the most incredible architectural salvage projects in the world because yeah. her great-grandfather, after World War I, when a lot of countries were trying to raise funds again after you know fighting a world war, you know, they would have like old castles or old artifacts or old art or whatever, and they 
had made a lot of it available to purchase. And so her mm-hmm. great-grandfather realized uh, that he needed to preserve as much of it as possible. So he collected as much of it as he could to basically put it into this castle, which in his mind was meant to be enjoyed and showed and wow. opened up to people. And so, you know, he, the, he'd buy a castle that was, you know, falling down somewhere in Europe. You know, it's right next to a port in San Simeon. They owned the harbor, the port there. They'd ship it there. It was uncrated, you know, like driven up the hill. This was in the 20s. Wow. And crazy. then Julia Morgan masterfully not only would sort of take these things and didn't just put them into the into the house, but integrated them and sort of matched the style to integrate mm. them into each room so that it felt very organic. And every piece of that place is some, and we go up all the time and just like, we always see some new corner, the, the door hinges, like everything is some incredible work of art oh. that he had all put in one place because he felt that it should be preserved, saved, and enjoyed by people. And so... You know, like I guess unknowingly, that was sort of on again on an infinitesimally smaller scale. Is sort of our mission is to do as much of well, that it as possible. Sounds like you guys are doing exactly that. Oh yeah, yeah. no, it we is. haven't disassembled any castles yet. But uh, <laughs> yes, I mean, yes. what's Bought some come stuff on, on first dibs? I guess. <laughs> like uh, get on. Actually, a dream of ours is to restore castle yeah. uh, in Scotland. We would love to do that. But I, I've read up on the Hearst Castle and. Do they call it Hearst Mansion or Hearst Castle? Hearst Castle. He didn't call it that, but that's what it came to be known yeah, as. Hearst Castle. But I, I love. I've seen imagery of it. Jonathan's actually He's gone, gone to yeah. see it. Um, but I think that's something that is on our bucket list for this year. You just can't. I mean, it. it just is. It, it's it's so magnificent, and every piece of it. And again, it is a massive property. With, I mean, it's a massive house with two smaller guest quarters. But again, it feels. It's majestic, but it also feels intimate. intimate. Like it doesn't feel cold and cavernous and everything. I mean, even down to when you first walk into the entrance, there are all these, um, I don't know what they're called, but they were basically, it was something that would have been in a monastery. And it's, they're these kind of like wooden seating areas that would line a wall. Right. And so like the, whatever, the monks or whatever, when they were having, uh, whatever it is that they would have, would sort of lean up against them and sit in them. And the museum director said, uh, oh, shine your light up on this one little section of the thing. And you can see, like, graffiti that's, like, small graffiti that some <laughs> Italian priest in the 1500s etched, oh my uh, you know, it, like, their name, Whoa. father, whatever. And so... Was here. Was, yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. WZ, yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's, 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 it's basically... And, and those things, I find, like, they contribute to the story. And so... As we were walking through the castle, the new there was a newer part of the castle, and I noticed that the tile on the floor was all like perfect. It just looked like a perfect grid. And I said to the museum director, whose name is Mary Levkoff, and she is an amazing historian and an incredible um, director of that place. I said, you know, I I actually weirdly don't like the tile in this room because it's so perfect. Mm-hmm. And she mm-hmm. said, it's interesting you say that because Mr. Hurst hated the perfection he loved yeah he loved the subtle imperfections and yeah. things and i and i really sort of came to appreciate this idea that you know there's no artistry in perfection like the imperfections the sort of where you see like that a human laid this yeah. not With in a sloppy way yeah. no but, but it's, it's the same as us. Yeah. every human is a little different we're all yeah. imperfect in a beautiful way yes. and i think it's I, I agree with you something that is exactly straight and exactly perfect it just doesn't appeal to us it feels same. engineered it's like yeah. oh it's you creepy. can yeah you yeah. can get that from anywhere but yeah. the what makes something special is you know like it 
and if some if someone laid down a bunch of really cool tile, it was almost like a diary of their life. Like they were there, whatever that person was going through, mm. they you know like it 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 sort of worked out the way it worked out. And those kind of happy imperfections, like those are the things that we love because it those are human. You know, yeah. those yeah. are the most human elements. And anything else to us just sort of feels like you know cold and, and engineered. Yeah. Yeah. So how, where did you get your attention to do? detail and just your love for design. I mean, the attention to detail probably just comes from, you know, growing up super nerdy and, you know, like that's the nerd superpower is trying You're assuming to, you've grown up. Try, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, physic. I mean, like, you know, physiologically. But I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's the attention to detail and it's also that un, unnatural ability to focus on the minutest of details and try to understand something more than any other living creature. I love history and I love... I always loved the aesthetic of like a natural history museum. Like if you go to the, like the, the first time I went to the to the natural history museum that's in London, I was like, you know, the Darwin exhibit. It's just, the the woodwork and the glass mm. cases and the everything about it was so it just floored me. Yeah, and it just made me appreciate. Like there was a time when you couldn't just have stuff engineered. Like a craftsperson had to come in, make everything by hand, integrate it, make it both functional. I mean, and things were built in because they right. things weren't disposable. It was mm-hmm. like, well, this is this is this piece with. of furniture forever. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that I think that kind of aesthetic, I always felt really peaceful and at home in that sort of handcrafted Victorian setting. So I, I guess that's where that came from. And then, of course. When Lydia and I got married, then it just doubled. Like, oh, yeah. we just doubled down on it. It's the exponential growth when you find an, someone equally nerdy about the same thing. But but it's also the mixing and the matching of knowing when, like, you know, to drop a modern piece in that sort of, that still speaks to the rest of the room or mm-hmm. figuring out, you know, this is old-timey, this might be a little newer, but this is a, you know, it's it's the combination of things. You know, if you really listen to a room, it will talk to you and kind of mm-hmm. tell you what it wants. Um, you know, I, I mean, but a lot of the times, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hitting up Lydia for a second opinion. I'm like, I think I know what the room wants, but what do you want? What does Lydia we, say? We are good. We, I think we're a good team that way. There's no one way to design a space. Right. And a lot of people think they're like, oh, we, we need, you know, Jonathan Drew, we need you to work with us because your designs are great and no one else can do it. I'm like, no, there are amazing designers out there. There are amazing people with keen eyes that didn't go to school for design like you guys and like us. Well, Linda went to school for architectural design, but um, every there's so many ways that you can design a space to be jaw-dropping, and what makes it the most jaw-dropping is when you create something that is a real connection to you. Yeah. And that's why every time I go to your house and there's something new, I just love it, because it's, you see that connection. She did this really cool thing in one of the guest rooms where um, the walls have been painted a color that she kind of got tired of after a while. I was like, oh, these aren't right. So she painted the walls white, and on the ceiling, she put... Um, I think it came from a company called Lincrusta, which is like a really old, and, and it's paintable wallpaper. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, in the old days, not everyone could afford to mold plaster or to hand carve wood. And so they developed this idea of like a paintable wallpaper. So it's it's thicker than normal wallpaper. Mm-hmm. It's, it's um, it kind of bends. Mm-hmm. And you put it down like wallpaper and then you can paint over it. So she got this really cool, like, you know, old timey geometric pattern and put it on the ceiling and painted it white. So it just gives the room like a texture. Yeah. 
uh, that like rather than thinking about the walls, like I see in this room, you put wallpaper on the ceiling too, which yeah. we, we've done in other places too. But this this gave it a really interesting texture. Mm-hmm. It was like I never would have thought to do that. But when you go it's to Hearst so Castle, creative. like every ceiling has some sort of cool detail. So it was just her more economical way of creating that warmth. But I also like to, if something like that is painted white, because um, some people they some people feel that something too textured like a grass cloth wallpaper or um, some stonework or something is just too in your face. Mm-hmm. It's too much texture and detail. But if you have something like that that you can paint white, it's such a subtle yeah. depth to the space. It yeah. draws your eye, but it doesn't over, overtake the room. Yeah. The other thing that we found when we were restoring the house is that all the all the bedrooms have bathrooms in them, and the bathrooms all have different color tile, which was very common for that California Spanish house. It was, you know, like one bathroom has pink tile and one bathroom has yellow tile. But what we saw was that the there was always there was a little ramp to get up into the bathroom, and the doors were cut like this much, and we realized like, oh shit. They've just been tiling over the years, yeah. just tile over tile over tile. And two of, inches thick. Of- so we had to, we went to this place in Pasadena called Mission Tile, and we painstakingly had them match the wall tile, wow. which was really hard to do because in the old day, in the 20s, um, there were processes that used chemicals that were uh, mm-hmm. uh, highly toxic. <laughs> and so they just don't do them that way anymore. Right. So between that and the aging, it's it's very hard to get the tonality right. Um, but we but we did, and so we were able to strip the shitty tile off and put a, and like recreate what hopefully what the bathrooms yeah. would have looked like when when the house was built. I mean, I think I think it does. Like when I see the detail that you match that you showed us as we walked through, it really does. It's really fun, and 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 again, it's very fortunate to have someone else who. I mean, for us, it's like a bonding. It's like part of our coupleship. The way yeah. that we bond and the way that we sort of express ideas in our home. And I really feel bad for anyone who either doesn't have that or who has to compromise because they're stuck. It's like sometimes you'll watch the shows on HGTV and like, you know, like, and I've seen this on your show too, where they walk in and, you know, the husband's like, yeah, you know, I like a real modern, so I wanna put like a 80 inch TV here. And then the, the spouse will be like, you know, I like really classical, and I don't want to put. And in the back of my head, I'm like, "How long is this gonna yeah. last?" Is this gonna yeah, last? yeah. Exactly. Well, we can tell you how long it lasts. <laughs> yeah. That's the uh, HGTV After Dark. We have all the secrets. Uh, the follow-ups, yep. because because it is a home. Is the place where you live is such generally is such an expression of who you are that those things I do kind of think are important. Now, some people just don't care, and that's right. fine. And a lot of people don't even know. A lot of people, their design aesthetic is just what they grew up with. That's all they know from what yeah. their parents' house had. And so they just don't put more effort into it because they don't know any better. And so a part of our jobs as designers to, is to pull people out of what they were just used to as the norm and show them something new that they actually do truly love. And yeah. Um, but again, too, and then uh, you take that to an extreme. Somebody who's really detailed about it, like like you are, and, and like Linda is, and, and Lydia, and myself, it's um, that's fun. It, it does make it fun. Like, well, I mean, of the projects we've taken on with the house, what would you say is your most excited, exciting project? The one down the street right now for Brother versus Brother. Oh yeah. So so John and I competing for Brother versus Brother. He's doing the house next door. I'm doing the, the one up the street. But Linda and I have been diving into that and finding little ways to add character to revitalize the character that was there. Well, what I loved most was walking through before you guys touched it. It was dusty. It felt haunted. And we're opening up the drawers and there are business cards of like toy makers. Like, oh my gosh. We're, we're still in a toy maker. Yeah. Um, and just like 
the paintings on, on closet doors, like, you know, I, I could just imagine someone, you know, just sitting there painting it like, oh, well, we have, I need some flowers. Yeah, yeah. features, there's a barrel ceiling in what we're making the dining room and it's got all, it's all hand painted. And it actually, surprisingly, with all the years, and, and it was a little run down, the whole house, but that was not damaged at all. There's not even a single crack, maybe a tiny hairline crack, but this gigantic barrel ceiling is perfect from and it's from the 20s and then there's a coffered ceiling in another room it's all wood detail and hand painted design floral design on it as well from the 20s so those are the kind of things that I love that we can keep mm-hmm. actually a house that uh, we just finished working on in behind the fireplace, um, I guess over the years things had fallen down, and we found old coins. Oh my gosh! And uh, me being Here's a coin nerd, like I was like, "What?" <laughs> and we kept we kept looking in there, and so there were old coins from uh, early 1900s, and then there was a letter we found. A, it was a small envelope sealed. It was a sealed letter, and it turned out. So of course I opened it. Yeah. Um, is that <laughs> so the limitations is passed? I, okay, I was gonna yeah, say I just yeah. created mail fraud. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we opened it, and it was a letter from the grandkids, and it was uh, 1942, I think it was. It was during the war. Um, and it was from the grandkids to the grandmother who lived in the house, and it was asking her, can she please put aside some food and some oh mitts for the soldiers um, to give them something. And, oh my gosh. Oh my, so we actually framed that and the coins, we, we framed all these and put it as artwork in the house, and the homeowners absolutely loved it because it's cherishing a memory that was in this house. Oh my, well, the, the, the house, that were, the guys that we bought the house from, so they had found a letter in the attic from when the old couple who had lived there, from when they were young, had written to each other, oh, wow. uh, and they were like, "Oh, we donated it to it. Like they donated it to museum. We were like, okay, we can't get upset at that, but damn it, yeah. I really wish we had donated to us. Yeah, but but they did the right thing, though. They yeah. did the right thing. They they did. We found an old safe in one house. It was under the floor in the, in a closet, and so I think for decades, new owners they they didn't know about it. And so when we were renovating, we pulled up the old floors. We found it, and we were actually able to get into it, and it actually had. I can't remember everything that was in it, but there were old photos and a bunch of old things, and uh, I, th- I think there was an old ring. I don't know if it was a wedding ring or something. Oh but my gosh! We wow. were actually able to track down the previous owners to who who it belonged to, and so oh. we returned everything to them. They were, um, I think, it was actually the kids of these original, the original owners. That's incredible. Yeah, that's so. really incredible. Yeah, I opened up a wall, and that the the place where I put my podcast studio. Which is sort of like a, I bought a residential property because to like to restore, and then I put the podcast studio in there. And um, uh, we, the previous owner said, "Well, there's a cavity on the other side of this wall, but it's all concrete." You know, like I I poked through a tiny hole when I looked in, and I just closed it back up. But he said, "Whatever's in there, it's yours." You know, what now that you own the house, oh. and so. Uh, we jackhammered through it, thinking like, "Oh my God, there's gonna be like treasure, old <laughs> bodies." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, it was just dirt. It was just dirt and construction <laughs> but it's all trash. Oh yeah. my construction trash! Yeah, dirt is so yeah. old. So many treasure spiders uh, that I didn't. This is something I don't get. You tell me if you. I, I know you don't. Um, you know, get overly hands-on with the hard construction. I mean, yeah. you have teams that come in and do that, but you know, we do it. Jonathan loves. To get dirty, mm-hmm. like he'll crawl into a crawl space that's full of rats and spiders and who that's knows what, what else. Feels like home for and him. he wiggles in there. Yeah, he wiggles in like a friggin' worm. It disgusts me. Not my thing. He's like he'll take like a house that's had you know the top of a chandelier or the, on the top of a, the fans of an yeah. old blade. It'll have been there for fifty years and it's got all that old greasy yeah, yeah. Yeah. D- dust. He's actually put his finger through it and licked it. I'm like, why would he? <laughs> why would, exactly? Why would you ever do that? It's the most disgusting thing to me. So I won't. He wanted do it to get a taste of history. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, 
point he starts to get visions yeah. about the people who live there. Yeah, I don't know. I think my wife and I are far too much hypochondriacs to really want to, because you just don't know. Like, especially no. in the older houses, they use materials. There are things that are very old. Like, you yeah. know, it, a, a lot of times, you know, like we found asbestos in a place once, and it's like, well, the construction has to shut down. They have to come in with a special Either team. They have to remove it in the hazmat suits. You know, like it's a big deal. Yeah. So I, yeah, I don't think I would. Do the taste test? No. Okay, uh, good. Then, then we're all on the same page because that just, is the most disgusting. I don't know if he's trying to impress because it's disgusting as hell. I think like, it's hey, like disgust impress you. After? Yeah. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, he also, he finds that hilarious, you know, like uh, insulation, yeah. the old um, itchy insulation. Yeah. He will roll around in it and nothing, no, it doesn't bother him at all. I look at it and I get itchy. You get hives. And yeah. so, it's like yeah. a he, jackass tear. No, like, well, he he's, to- <laughs> he's finds it hilarious. He'll grab it and he'll throw it at me. Or, or he'll put, I'm in a nice suit and he'll push me into it. Now I'll throw out that suit. I mean, I this is really the last, the last frontier. The one thing that you have not explored yet uh, in your empire is a prank show. Yeah. Is a home reno prank show. A jackass style Scott Brothers well, prank jackass show. Jackass home edition. We, we yeah. actually pitched, <laughs> we, we pitched the show and it didn't get picked up, but I still think it'd be hilarious. And it was a reverse reno where you go into a house that's, not bad. You could do a reno to make it look more, you know, aesthetically pleasing or functional or modern, but it's not bad. And then we send people away for four weeks, and when they come back, we've unrenovated it, made it the shittiest looking house I've ever seen. And oh my I, god! I just think it'd be hilarious, but I'm sure that we would lose all credibility. So. Well, not only that, but like, like that's you, people would hunt you down after that, like because. That's a that's a tough prank to undo too. Yeah. Yeah, hundreds of thousands of dollars to undo that prank. Yeah. So maybe not worth it. Ha ha! And this money. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's just like every time, like when they, you know, like when you, oh, you ready to see the house? And then you see it. Like the reactions would be priceless. But priceless. I, I understand. Yeah, there's still a hole in the wall. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Open concept. I uh, suddenly the contractor and designer were buried in in the project. What do you think? It, like, what trends do you see now? Like, obviously. You know, like opening things up, you know, like, you know, just having like a giant multi-use space seems to be very in fashion right now. What, what do you, where do you see everything going? Well, the one thing I find, I mean, a lot of people nowadays, they can't, they just can't afford what they would like to have in a city. And so you see a lot of, for what you can afford, it's smaller and smaller spaces. So it's almost a lot like what they have for living, like in Japan, for example, Mm -hmm. it's small, multi-functioning spaces. So you literally will have, you push a button and the bed comes out of the wall, or you have like the the bathroom is just a tiny powder room that's actually tucked in the wall, almost like a closet. Right. And so I do see smaller spaces being Is there a dishwasher for dildos? Is there a dildo washer? That is, yeah, it's it's a dildosher. A dildo yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, good. It's good. Uh, so stuff like that. But what I, I do like the the just giant open spaces. It's nice to have sight lines, but then it sometimes it doesn't function the way you want. So I actually like that a lot of clients nowadays are asking for some separation or some divide, which yeah. does feel like it's a bit of revert back to how things it's used more to be. Intimate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, just something that gives you a sense of of space. Place. Like rather than Yeah, yeah you know, and, and like defining each space yeah. a little bit more. Even yeah. though it can it can still all be connected. But I, I always think it's funny to watch any of those tiny home shows where it's like they talk to a couple in the beginning like, yeah, my wife and my three kids and I just wanna like we just wanna move off the grid and we just wanna downsize, you know? And so we're, we want to get a tiny home. And they always say the same goddamn thing every time they walk in. They walk into a, like a tiny little, like an Airstream trailer. They're like, 
There's not a lot of space. Like you're on a show that has yeah. tiny home in the name. It drives me. What did me... you think was going to happen? <laughs> it drives me nuts. So we actually did. Uh, it was digital content for the uh, for the network, and we did this thing where it was Jonathan and me living in a tiny home for 24 hours. Yeah. And we had Jonathan's dogs in there as well. And oh yeah. It drives me nuts because most of the time people are like, I want to go smaller and like you said, off off the grid and whatever. But one. Most of these tiny homes are not to code at all. Right. They're not functional. You just attempt to function in an unfunctional space. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's some of those where they're like, so my dad's helping me, like, you know, like put up this wall. And you're like, that. I hope that doesn't have to drive anywhere because oh that's just all going to come down. It's, it's a nightmare. And that's why, I mean, I think there are small spaces that can be functional and then there's that. So I, yeah. I will never live in a tiny home. Linda, no matter what you say. But myself. Never. Yeah. I do understand it though. Like there is something really interesting about Marie Kondo, your life, and just kind of. But the problem is that like so many of our things bring us joy. Yeah, I was like, but, like, but this sparks right. joy, and this sparks joy. Because I collect yeah. all the Lydia collects the horror movie props. When people yeah. come over, they the, the sort of um, the gender prejudices about collection that people have. Like they'll come in and they'll see some of our spooky stuff, and they're like, oh, "I can't believe your wife lets you keep all this nerd shit out in the open." I go, "It's her." Yeah. It's not even it's not even that she's letting me keep it here. It's hers. Like there was a time and I I had to pause and thank the heavens that I got to say the sentence for real that this was part of my life, but there was a day that like something showed up that Lydia had ordered and I was like, "Sweetie, if you don't stop ordering horror movie props, there's not going to be enough room for our vintage taxidermy." And I was like, "Oh, oh my god." Sentence. Not only am I like <laughs> not only did I think I would never be the one who was like, "Let's take it easy on this," but also like that that sentence made sense in our lives. In our world. But uh, she collects the horror movie props, so she has original Gremlins. She has original, uh, just different movie stuff. Um, I collect the Disney stuff. Yeah. So we have original like haunted. I have a, a haunted mansion, an original stretch painting oh, from the haunted mansion. So cool. Oh, and by the way, you were the one who told me about the auction oh, where yeah. they had all the Disney auction items, yeah. and Linda and I jumped on that. We, we were unfortunately we, were we weren't able to get there to to the actual auction yeah. um, place to oh, see boy, the that. Oh that bubble is so exploded right oh, now. Yeah. It's so I mean, you're just bidding against. Nerds from all over the world who have more money than you do. So yeah. David sort of, Copperfield got the D from yeah. Disney. Oh yeah, he did. He did. Yeah. I, I heard that. Yeah, he did. He's David Copperfield's got that big D, but uh, <laughs> is what I hear. But um, <laughs> that's going to be that is what we're going to use for the T's for this podcast. <laughs> that's going to be. The, by, by the way, if you're David Copperfield's neighbor and he's got a big D in the front, you're like. Copperfield, you put that fucking D. I don't want to look at that every day. And he's every like, one day. second. Swoosh. <laughs> and then it's gone. No, no, now it's a bigger D. Now it's a bigger D, <laughs> of course. It gets bigger. But um, <laughs> but those auctions, like Disney history is something that, you know, we're obsessed oh, with. Oh, yeah. Because those stretch paintings, in, like, if you see them now, they're basically just digital prints. Yeah. Because uh, the Haunted Mansion opened in uh, 1969, and it um, was for the first few years they an artist would hand paint the portraits in the stretching room which is the right. first you know mm-hmm. technically the second room you go in when you go into the haunted mansion but what they realize is that as the gag like unrolls the painting that roller marks were like breaking the paint oh, and so you'll you'd see the, the roller cracks. marks and so they would crack and so you know cuz well, paintings aren't designed to you know open exactly, and close yeah. and so at a certain point in the 70s they just started screen printing them and so there are a handful of original, like hand painted, and so I and so I have one, wow. and it's That's so amazing. big 
that we actually have to figure out like where to put it. So I click the horse up and then the well, comedy. I can, I can tell you where to put it. Where? In, in your in house? In our house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Linda, Linda would literally have me go to Disney every single day. She is just like you. We actually have friends of ours who live um, in the Disney community. They're all detached homes, but it's a Disney, Disney community World. in Orlando. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's and, celebration. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. they live in it and it's just like they're as nerdy as Linda is. And I love Disney as well. I love that the history is just so amazing and inspiring. But um, but I don't want to go every day. She would go every day. I, I would go, go every day. day. Yeah. You know, uh, we we got to see uh, Walt has a tiny hidden apartment above the fire station in in uh, on, off Main Street, and we got to see it one time. And it is everything about it is so amazing. Uh. Like you want to talk about like an economized space. It's a tiny little space, but the window just looks right, right into Main, Main Street, Street. Oh. as people are coming on. And That's amazing. The, obviously, that, I mean, we're not allowed to post any pictures of it, but it's it's so like I don't know how else to describe it. It's like Disney Victorian oh. inside, and these little like oil lamps and the carpet and the way that you know there were like two beds, there was a his and hers, and just a tiny little kitchenette yeah. area. I know one thing that that little kitchenette does not have, and that's a certain warming utility oven. dishwasher. A warming oh, a certain utility no, dishwasher. Don't, don't mix wait, that. Wait, what? No. I just I didn't say no. anything. I just. What am I supposed to wash these? <laughs> This is um, a great spot to end things. No, but I was gonna keep talking about that apartment. Like, imagine living there and being Walt and, and seeing like your dream come true and people walk. Well, he had an attention so, to detail too, which so is cool. why, which is you know again. You can't end it on Dis. Well, you can't end it on Disney, but like we're just. I feel like we're get, just getting started. Well, because yeah. we can talk about Disney for five more minutes, but Walt. His attention to detail, the reason Disneyland to me is so special is because he did all the things that we're talking about. Yeah. Everything had to have the smallest detail. That's why there's hidden Mickey heads right. all over yeah. the park. There are hidden little jokes in the names of the vendors like in the windows above as you walk down Main Street. And so he wanted to a place that was so special, so he just wanted a bird's eye view of everyone yeah. coming in to make sure. I mean, he used to walk around the park and talk to people. You know, I have a signed original Disney map um, from 1958 oh, wow. that the some kid, the kid, the guy that I bought it from, went up to him as a kid. He was just wandering oh. around Main Street, and Walt signed it and, oh. and had it framed. And so, it it really like the attention to detail. No matter, even if you think no one else will get it. The right people will get it, right. but then you also know it's there, and that's what makes it special. And you share that experience. I think yeah. one thing that's exciting for us because I, I absolutely love Disney, and I, he's somebody I wish if there's ever a time machine to go back. He is probably one of the first people I would love to meet, and uh, and so on. Brother versus brother, we always every episode we have a reward for the winning brother um, for a space and a and then a punishment for the losing brother. Well, this season we actually have a Disney reward because we're filming here in L.A. Oh, and that's so. Great. I'm not going to say exactly what it was because I want people to go and watch the show on HGTV. But um, it is something very special that is so unique that you don't really get to experience. So that is fantastic. And you can come along with us and uh, I would join love the to. fun. Yeah, I really would love to. We should all go, we all need to go to Disneyland yes! sometime together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We definitely will. It's, right. we'll, we'll bore you to death with all of the different trivia that we know about the art park. I could give I, guided tours at Disneyland. At I, this point. I heard you actually up. do. I heard it's fifty bucks a tour. Is that fifty bucks a tour. I put on the plaid vest. Yeah. I carry. I take people all around. <laughs> this is great. I mean, it's your side hustle. It is. And then you end yeah. with a 
piano playing show. Yeah, that's now right. Do that you know how to play the piano? B- that's right. But that makes you an actual character of Disney. So what is your name? What's your character name? There's got to be a unique oh, name yeah, we got to give you. you. What would be Who your would you be? Disney name? I guess uh, mm, Hardwick's kind of creepy. Uh, it could be Hardy Har Har. There you go. That's perfect. <laughs> like, Hardy Har Har. That's like an that old. Sounds like a classic. Yeah, that's yeah, a, that's Steve. a classic character. Yeah. Yes. Steve. I, hey, drive the steamboat, Hardy Har Har. Okay. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, we are going to do Disney together. I think that's exciting. It's. Um, I'm willing to go one more time, Linda, just for you guys. Like by the end of the year. If I'm ever allowed back in after the Mickey dildo joke, then yes, we should all, yes. go, we should all go together. I didn't actually say it in the same sentence. That was my safe mark. So that you, you are the only one who said it, so at least to let me How back in the park. How dare you? How dare you trap me? Well, thanks for joining us, buddy. Thank you for Thank having you. me. I love you guys to pieces. Thank yeah. you so much. You should have your own I'm so talk show. I would love, oh my God, nothing you, would make me happier. You know what? You're really good at this podcast, and you should have a podcast. I thought about it. It yeah. feels like a lot of work. Yeah, I mean, you'd be an idiot not to. <laughs> hey, nice! Because uh, the podcast is already tinted. It all works, it, it all, all comes works. back around. I will admit that house shit is a pretty catchy hashtag to have for what he posts on his Instagram stories. Yeah, I want them to keep doing this forever. But when you start to watch, and he'll do a ton of video, he'll go from, oh, there's something behind this wall, there's a tiny hole, there's a slightly bigger hole, somebody else is looking at the hole, we flash a light in the hole, it just makes you want... somebody else is looking in the hole? Have you not dug... I have literally spent... Hours on his Instagram looking at some Wait, of the stuff that he posts. Wait, what was that? What do you mean? Someone was on the other side of the wall looking back at When he shined a light through the hole, there was an eyeball. I didn't see that. No, That's I'm joking. Terrifying. There's no, there's no eyeball. It was Reagan from The Exorcist. Shut up. No, it was uh, this oh my like uncaptured space. And you, you think, what's in there? Is there a body in the walls or something like that? But they opened it up and it was just a big void. So he transformed that into usable space in his house. It's pretty cool. Honestly, I, Chris and I are gonna we're gonna renovate a house. We're gonna design Ooh, a house one of these days fun. together. A castle. Oh, that. <gasps> hey, you know what? We'll take all the pieces from Hearst Castle and we'll create a new castle, a miniature version, because that's what they did. That's stealing. The Hearst Castle. They ended up bringing all these pieces over from Europe and to save it. Yeah, to salvage it, and it made it a ridiculously expensive build, uh, but it looks amazing. But we could find a new castle and restore it. So wait, get a new castle and make it look old. No, no, no. Like another castle. Oh, okay. I want to do that. I mean, Ooh, I... and then turn the castle into an escape room. Wow, you ha- you have this all mapped out already. <laughs> and then we could do murder mystery nights. And then I can do my Scottish accent because my accents are the best. Do it. I'll do an accent if you do an accent. No. Yeah. I suck Pick at one that you'll do. All right. I'll do my Scottish. Here we go. I'm just going to copy your Scottish. Right, Linda. Right, Linda. We're going to take this castle we're and gonna we're going to make take- it absolutely stunning and we're gonna make it absolutely stunning that was a little more irish than scottish but it wasn't bad it was it was pretty good i can't tell something bad i have the ultimate trade-off i'll restore castle with chris and you get to go to disneyland with him every day sold i'd go to disney with chris and lydia any day they're huge fanatics and they know all of the secrets i'm sure of disney they do because they're actually members whatever that secret society is of people who are members of disney but I still also want to help build the castle. You can do that because you're good at finding inspiration. One thing I want to do this year is schedule in garage sailing and antiquing 
weekends. That would be fun, but I would I would want a road trip with it. Go yeah. to small towns where it's not oversaturated with people buying and finding these old antiques and vintage items. Oh, that would be so fun. I'm pinky swearing this in right now. All We're right. doing this. Mm. I'm putting in the calendar. Locked and loaded. Locked and loaded. If I can find old coins, old phone. Old phone? Like the iPhone 3? I have <laughs> no, one. No, you have one of those, yeah. <laughs> I just saw it in the bottom of a box in your craft room, but... Well, it has been a lot of fun hanging out with you guys. This is At Home with Linda and Drew Scott. Be sure to give us your feedback. So hit us up, feedback at athomepodcast.net. Or just message us on Instagram, at home. So it's at symbol, at home. Make sure to also rate the podcast. That's an important thing as well. Um, you know, I heard that five is a, a brilliant number. I love five. High five. High five. Perfect. And a big thank you to our podcast producer, Brandon Angelino. Oh, that, I, that, I, that was my gap leaving for Linda to come in and say Okay, my hand is burning from that high five I, You high five me so hard I didn't move my hand, you slapped me and No, I, I didn't I, I held my hand still Let's look at the cameras <laughs> <laughs> This is what we use ADD cameras for Our music, Feels Like Home, is by Victoria Shaw and Chad Carlson And thanks to Annalie Bell for our research And Tori, the most amazing assistant on the planet And last but not least, a big thank you to the love of my life, Linda this has been fun. Thank you. Love you. We'll see you guys again soon. Love you. And love you. ADT now professionally installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT is awesome and believes that the smarter the home, the safer the security. I can't wait to see what they do next. They're going to put Google Nest doorbells on the moon. (laughs) Actually, I'd like to know what's happening at our front door from virtually anywhere with our Google Nest doorbell. I do love how when we're out at dinner, we can see exactly what's going on at the front door. And we can control our ADT smart devices like... Lights, locks, the security system with Google Nest speakers and displays. Mm-hmm. All you have to say is, hey, Google, to get started. Well, I think it's great for people to help protect what matters most with all of this. Plus, 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google. Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help make your home smarter and safer. Hey, Google.